Welcome to season three of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership developed this podcast and is continuing it in 2023. In each episode, we will be talking with CCA leadership and leading experts on issues specific to ranching and producing beef in California. Tune in every other Monday to hear updates on legislative and regulatory fronts in Sacramento, deep dives into current events, challenges, and more. Happy summer, everyone. I hope everyone had a great 4th of July holiday. If you missed our last episode with CDFA Secretary Karen Ross talking about the department's strategic plan, go ahead and check that out on all the platforms. Our podcast is usually on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to it. Go check it out. We talk about the next decade and some of the great opportunities to come in that strategic plan. Today, I'm really excited to be at the California Natural Resources Agency in downtown Sacramento. They actually have a beautiful new building that just opened up about two years ago. So it's fun to be there. This is an episode I've been wanting to do. I've been talking with our executive director, Billy Gatlin, about it for some time. Um, and we're finally going to do it today. So this will be an update on the state's strategy to conserve 30% of California's land and coastal waters by 2030. I'm here with Jennifer Norris, who is the Deputy Secretary for Biodiversity and Habitat at the Natural Resources Agency. She's going to help break it down for us. Thanks for joining me, Jen. Thank you, Katie. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. I'm happy to be here, too. Like I said, you're office is beautiful. We're looking at 360 degree yeah. view. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. You can see fun. out to the Delta from here. It's cool. Before we start talking about 30 by 30, let's hear a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you're leading that strategy, but you do a lot of other things at the agency. And let's hear about how long you've been here, kind of what brought you to the California Natural Resources Agency. Yeah, I've been here about three years in June. So just about a week ago, I hit my three year mark. Before that, I was at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service doing endangered species work throughout California, working with a lot of ranchers in the Central Valley, actually. And I'd been leading that office for about seven years, and I was looking for something new and a new challenge. And this just happened to be a new position that they were developing, and it sounded like an amazing opportunity to advance conservation in California. So I came here soon after we got assigned 30 by 30, but also cutting green tape, which really builds on my regulatory experience and looking for ways to advance habitat restoration and good projects around the state with minimal sort of intervention <laughs> by minimizing the amount of green tape people have to get through to get good projects done. So it's been fun. Great to hear about that. I first met Jen on a tour with Secretary Krofa and other leaders from the agency and other departments in Sacramento. I think it was two summers ago now, we went on a tour of a grazing allotment that had been devastated by a fire in the fall of 2020. We had a great conversation that day, all of us, on the wildfire crisis. So some background on 30 by 30. In October of 2020, Governor Newsom signed an executive order to conserve 30% of California's land and coastal waters by 2030. Most of you listening have probably heard of it. Uh, CCA has been providing updates on it since pretty much that executive order came out. I think we posted a statement the day it came out. So you've probably been hearing about it, but today we wanted to dive a little deeper into what it really is. So Jen, could you just provide a brief explanation? I'm sure that's hard. It's a huge strategy and the <laughs> Pathways document is huge. But for those maybe who don't listen to the podcast regularly or maybe know exactly what 30 by 30 is, could you explain it quickly before we dive into it more? Sure. Yeah. So 30 by 30 is actually part of a global movement to protect 30% of the planet, essentially, with the recognition that we need biodiversity to thrive 
as human beings for our ecosystems to function and also to help address the climate crisis. So California's commitment, as you said, started in 2020. We've spent about a year plus figuring out you know, how far along are we on our road to 30%? What do we mean when we say conservation? What are all the ways we can maybe get the rest and what works? But fundamentally, 30 by 30 is really a voluntary conservation effort. It's not a regulatory requirement. It's just a bold goal and a way for us to work together on protecting natural spaces and stewarding them for the future. That was very succinct. Thank you. Much quicker than I could have done it. Add you added in that is voluntary Speaking of people managing land, ranchers manage 38 million acres of working lands in our state, both public and private lands. We're obviously here today to talk about how ranchers fit into that picture. But how does the plan exactly incorporate working with ranchers and livestock producers to help reach these conservation goals? Yeah, so first, the most important part I I alluded to was this definition. You know, what is conservation? We solicited so much feedback on just that one sentence and wrote it and rewrote it and wrote it again, but then have several pages that helps outline what does that really mean. And it's all about durably protected areas that are managed for biodiversity and ecosystem function. And that can span a wide array of land types. And as we talk about in our document, working ranches and working forests can meet that definition, particularly if they're under permanent conservation easement. So we talk about working ranches in our definition, and then we actually have a pathway dedicated to increasing voluntary easements, recognizing how much public land we have in California and how in certain ecosystems, you know, private land ranching is really our best opportunity to advance work. We can only do this in partnership. That pathway is really about accelerating those voluntary easements where people want to work with us. What are the barriers to that? You know, how can we get better funding? How can we partner um, in the ecosystems that need work and do restoration as well? Thanks for bringing up what conservation is. I'm sure you guys were tired of talking about it by the end of it. (laughs) You did mention that there are pathways to this plan. So um, it states California's strategy to conserve an additional six million acres of land and half a million acres of coastal waters is in 10 pathways. So you mentioned one of them, and that is increased voluntary conservation easements. This is obviously of interest to a lot of ranchers who have easements. What exactly does this mean for them? What standards of the easements do they need to have to fit into this? So it's actually a much more complicated question that we might have time for. We actually held a webinar just about a month ago to really unpack that question because easements come in so many flavors, really. And each one is individually tailored to the land it's on, which is appropriate. And easements can be on things like agricultural row crops. We can use them on just there's just a wide variety of sure. types. And so within the ranching world, the vast majority of, of them, I think, meet our definition. But we worked with Green Info Network, which is the entity that maps all of our conservation properties around the state or, or you know areas that meet our definition, I should say, and had them put together a toolkit, which is available on our website, where people can figure out how their easement fits into our broader definition and whether it meets it and whether it counts towards our total. And I should tell you that when we released our strategy, we were at 6 million acres, but we've just had our annual progress report and now it's five and a half million. We added almost 630,000 acres last year. Some of that is just finding easements that were out there that weren't part of our map. That's a lot for one year. It's a lot. And and I think we'll get more. So it's exciting. That is very exciting. So five and a half million acres to go. (laughs) Help us do it. 
Awesome. We can talk about that. So I can link the toolkit in our podcast description for anyone listening. So is the best way to find out if their acres are eligible to go into that toolkit? How do ranchers kind of know if they're even eligible at all to be counted? So first of all, some of them may already be counted. A lot of easements are in. We have a California Protected Areas database, which is all the publicly owned lands. And then it's linked to our California Conservation Easement database, which tries to gather up all the easements. But Easements are hard to track, individual transactions. So many are. Uh, lots of easements, if you think about ones that are done for mitigation, they tend to make it into our database. So first thing they should do is go to our website, go to our Protected Areas Explorer, and they can actually type in, I don't know if they can go to their address, but certainly a, a landmark, and then zoom in on their property and see if it's shaded the right color. And then if it's not, and they think it might be eligible because they have an easement and they're managing for you know healthy landscapes, then they can go check out that toolkit. And it's like a decision tree that will help you walk through how to figure it out and then how to offer your uh, information up so we can get it on our map. I know you were using the USGS gap codes to determine which lands are eligible. Yeah. Can you explain what gap codes are a little bit? I don't even know what GAP stands for, so that's embarrassing. But it's essentially USGS's way. So they've they've got a database across the whole country of all the protected areas, which again is all everything owned by a government Everything from a national park to a playground can, okay. can show up in their database. And so the gap code one is the most highly protected with the least amount of activity. <clears throat> and then like a golf course or a playground will be gap four. And then it's things in between. So gaps one and two meet our definition, which, you know, like a national park tends to be in one or highly protected reserve. But then in gap two is a lot of our. A lot of working lands meet that definition and uh, open space lands, for example, where there's some amount of recreation, but uh, still a lot of protected area. You mentioned kind of some of the examples of activities, maybe golfing or a golf course. (laughs) Do you have other examples of activities that may be allowed in the working lands that meet this requirement? The document does go through sort of the kinds of things you're looking for. But again, it's so case specific to the property. But it's, you know, wise water use, healthy soil minimal use of pesticides or toxic materials, but it really depends. And a lot of these, you know, in my old job, we would work out what were the terms of the agreement within an easement. And it's just usually based on what the rancher has been doing, because nine times out of 10, we're going to them to say we want an easement because the practices that are already underway are so great. Yeah. So they tell us like, here's what I do. And we're like, awesome. That's you great do news. It forever. <laughs> yeah. And that's, so that's what get caught, gets codified in a management plan. So that's why we need this toolkit, because it really is self-reported based on what are the terms of the particular easement. We will definitely link the toolkit. Great. I want to jump back a little bit. You mentioned that you had a webinar just on this pathway specifically. The invitation talked about how partners could learn to work together to amplify and accelerate the role of private land conservation to advance 30 by 30, pursuing multiple benefit outcomes that benefit ag and other things. You mentioned this webinar was really important for you and something you wanted to do. Were there any great takeaways that came out of it or what were some of the conversations and points made on it? I was really glad to do this webinar. I've been wanting to ever since we put out the strategy, because I think the place we get the most questions by far is easements. And then second is on working lands. Sure. So, and they go together, of course. So this really gave us an opportunity to unpack the different flavors. We sort of tried to present a range of easement types to sort of give a sense of how much variety there could be. So we showcased someone with a grazing easement, someone with a forest easement, and then an access easement. And that was just great for showing the diversity. And we had some conversation around 
you know, how easements come into our system. So I think the takeaways from a lot of folks were they were really grateful for the deeper dive and yeah. the candid conversation about, you know, how these all work and a better understanding of how they fit in to our program. We'll link to that as well in the podcast mm -hmm. description. I'm sure for some people, they don't really even know what an easement is. So in that sense, it was probably helpful yeah, that's as well true. just to explain, <laughs> like you said, the diversity of easements. Going back to actually getting lands counted, why should ranchers take the time to look through the toolkit and actually get their lands conserved or consider getting them counted to be conserved? You know, again, everything is voluntary. This is a partnership. I think there's just celebration is one, you know, I'd like celebrating all the great work that ranchers do and their contribution to our efforts. So to me, again, showcasing the variety of land use types and partners that we have really makes for a big tent and it builds partnership. It builds understanding. Again, it's voluntary. If they don't want to, that's great. But I think it's, it's a great opportunity for build that partnership. And then the other reason is if you're thinking about large landscapes and you want to you know, maybe build wildlife connectivity or larger blocks of habitat, it does really help to know where the protected places are. And that gives you sort of a better visual of where um, other opportunities might lie or where, you know, how species might be using the landscape. So from just a straight biodiversity perspective, it's valuable as well. We already mentioned, and you mentioned it as well, this is a partnership. We need ranchers involved and working lands involved to make hit this goal and to be able to celebrate conserving 30% of California's land and coastal waters. How critical is it actually to have ranchers involved and kind of what's next for the strategy? You mentioned you did this webinar and you might have a few more in the fall and other pathways, but what's next for the strategy? I mean, we're all about implementation now. You know, we have our strategy, we have our broad vision. Our interest now is, you know, how do we get the resources to the people that need them? How do we gin up more support in places that maybe aren't paying attention, but really would like to be part of that. And that happens every day. We get new people who are like, this is amazing. I want to be part of it. You brought up the point that 38 million acres of land in California are great. So that's a lot. That's, you know, more than a third of our land is in private hands and in grazing. So I think it really provides great potential for partnership. Again, it's voluntary, but some of the ecosystems that need the most love in the Central Valley are privately owned. And we really you know, we need those ecosystems to function for ourselves, those vernal pool grasslands, you know, foothill grasslands. There's just, you mentioned, you know, fire resilience, all of those things. I think we want to work together. So it's to me critical. It's a critical pathway. That's why it got its own um, and why we really wanted to shout it out in the document itself. As, as far as actually getting engagement from ranchers and people in agriculture, what has that looked like? Have you gotten feedback? Have you gotten comments? Do you need more? There's been a lot of outreach because there's always questions about 30 by 30. And yeah. There's a lot of fear about what it really is. And so I have had great conversations in different forums where I've we've been able to unpack this and help people see that it's a voluntary opportunity. We want to hear more, especially if there are barriers or concerns or just questions that people have. We actually have an email address where we, we get feedback all the time. California Nature at Resources. Um, that's on our website too. Cool. So, you know, if people are having challenges with getting easements done, and I hear that can be a challenge. I mentioned my green, cutting green tape. Yeah. You know, if people want to bring that to us, that would be great because our whole goal is to help them do the things they already want to do more quickly and more effectively. Ranchers are obviously out in the country a lot. Yeah. Usually they're pretty remote, um, alone. So sometimes I think it's easy to get in the mindset, oh, like if I join this webinar, if I submit these comments, they won't get read, but. Oh, that's not true. I will read them. 
I will read them. I think that's great here and great to hear and a great reminder when CCA sends out an email and asks you to engage or we let you know about a comment period. It's not just wasted time. It's actually very valuable. Yeah. Are there other ways that ranchers and farmers can support you and the agency to ensure they're part of climate solutions moving forward or is getting their feedback kind of the best way? How can they really stay up to date with what you guys are doing? Well, you can get on our mailing list if you want to. We don't send a ton of email, but we do have a newsletter about six times a year telling you what's happening and upcoming webinars and success stories. So that's a really simple way to stay engaged. But I love hearing that you had Karen Ross on last week because we're really partnering with the Department of Food and Agriculture on their efforts to advance pollinators, protect soils. And so that is also part of our broader vision. Even if your parcel does not meet our definition, you can still employ good practices to help us with climate change, help with biodiversity conservation. And that's part of our even broader vision is we really need to work together to safeguard the natural world together. And and ranchers are already doing that so well. So the better we can support that, I think the farther we'll go. I think it's a great story to get out there and hopefully we'll continue to get it out there. Uh, We were just talking about grazing and how there's some pushback to grazing from certain groups, but in general, grazing has seemed to shift and maybe because of the extreme wildfire crisis we've had in California that was really bad in 2020, but uh, continued to be bad the last couple of years has brought light to the good benefits of grazing and fire fuel reduction. But the more we can get that story out, I think the better. I'm sure there are other things that the agency is working on, not just 30 by 30. Is there anything else you want to highlight either from you, like helping cut green tape or anything else that you want to highlight uh, while you have ranchers listening? I would say, you know, cutting green tape really is about restoration and that restoration comes in all forms. So, uh, that's also on our website, our initiative there, if people want to check that out. But also I just, I want to be a resource to people across the state if they're having challenges. I'm a good person to reach out to and don't be afraid to. But I would also showcase the great work we're doing in the forestry space. I'm sure you're following that with Jessica Morris on, you know, bringing in grazing where where we can to help reduce fuels. I just think it's an all of the above strategy. We're really well integrated at the California Natural Resources Agency and we're thinking about these landscapes in a holistic way. But We always say we can't do it without partners. So we need you all to help us. Yeah, it's a very large state, (laughs) as we all know. But I'm sure even just looking at the map is a very large state. I'm sure it's very apparent. Awesome. 104 million acres. It's a lot. (laughs) Only five and a half to go, right? That's right. That's nothing. Drop in the bucket. We can do it. Seven years. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you making time for this. Like I said, I will link the toolkit. And then I'll also link that email address. So if anyone has questions directly, you can email the agency yourself. But again, I really appreciate it. And I know we look forward to continuing to work with you and making this happen. Great. Thanks so much. It was fun. Thanks, Jen.